Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Above the Board. I'm your host, Jeremy. I'm Bradley. I'm here. Well, hello there, Bradley. How are you? Why you always got to ask me questions while I'm drinking water? I used to be a server, so it's kind of, I learned that trick. Second nature. Uh, I'm fine. I'm good. How are you? What have you been, I'm great. What have you been up to in the last, uh, well, since we recorded the last one? It's been, what, a month since we did this? Uh, Two weeks since we did the other one? Has it really been only that long? I feel like it's been longer. Well, we're not going to break the fourth wall. It may have been. (laughs) Uh, I've been surviving um just yeah there's been a lot of stuff going on with work outside of work i've been doing not a whole lot i've been consuming a lot more than i have been creating although i do have um a new project i'm working on which i'm pretty excited about so awesome yeah anything you could talk about yet uh yeah it's it's just like a it's like a it's like a setting for um another story that i want to tell i'm still working on it but um I mean, fuck it. I'll put a little tease out there. It's, it's, uh, so are you familiar at all with Arthurian legend? I mean, the, the sword and the stone Merlin. Yeah. Yeah. King, King Arthur, Merlin, all that stuff. So, um, I was doing some, uh, I, I came up with like this really cool idea for like a magic system and I was struggling to figure out what kind of setting to, to meld with it. And then, Um, I've always been enamored with King Arthur and that story. So I said, fuck it. I'll try to, cause I'm pretty sure King Arthur's like, it's in the public domain. I think anybody can make a story about it. So, um, I believe so. I, um, I'm going to do like a sort of like a continuation on Arthurian legend where it like most often ends in a lot of the stories that they make with Arthur leaving to Avalon to someday return, um, as a messianic figure, I'm going to expand on that and uh, see where it goes. So that's uh, that's awesome. all I want to say about it, though. Okay. I mean, I think that's a lot. I think the uh, the audience is salivating for more. They cannot wait for you to get it finished so they can consume that media. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Um, anything else? Any, uh, any other creative adventures that you're on? Mm. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel that. I, I definitely feel that. I haven't really done a whole lot. I mean, I still get my music out and kind of mess around with that. Um, obviously, the podcast. Uh, some things have kind of turned upside down in my life. And it it's kind of has me focused on a, another aspect of life all just a lot more. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so... But here we are. We uh, we decided anyway, in the midst of all of this, uh, we had this great idea, at least I thought it was pretty great, uh, for today's topic. And that is consuming better to create better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I sent this text to you, uh, I don't know, a couple of days back or whatnot, and asked what you thought about it, and you seem to be pretty excited about it right away. So what did you think when I first sent that? What were you thinking I was meaning? Um, I thought you were being sort of 
uh, snobby. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, it's not. I know you didn't mean to, I, that was mostly a joke. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I was excited because I, I definitely like if I'm in a mood to create something, I will seek out specific things to help get in that mind space, whether that's certain music to listen to, um, certain shows or movies to watch, certain books to read or listen to if I'm driving podcasts to listen to. Um, so I was looking at it more from that perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you were thinking more along the lines of smarter, uh, media, smarter in quotes, if that's like a a (laughs) phrase that you would most likely use. Um, which, you know, I agree to some extent. Yeah, I think I was looking at it from the idea. The, the idea kind of came to me because I was uh, redoing some goals and, and trying to figure out what it was I wanted to do creatively. And it started to dawn on me, much like when you get ready to cook, mm-hmm. you a, a, the better chef tends to have a better palate. So they refine their palate. They eat different foods. They, they do all these things to refine their palate. And I thought, you know, we as creatives, we also have to do the same thing in order to become better at creating. We have to refine our palate. And there's a lot, of, a lot more to this, but just in general, that was my idea behind it, was that how do you refine your palate to be able to enjoy more media, uh, potentially more uh, cerebral, maybe more intellectual, maybe just you know, getting involved with the classics, whatever it may be. But I think that's just, maybe where I got the snobbiness from is you keep saying palette. The palette, yes. Palette. Palette. <laughs> Find your palette. <laughs> you don't like you nah, don't like the word palette? I don't no, I don't like that word, but that's fine. I don't like it because well, for I, for a selfish reason. Oh. Do you have a poor palate because you eat chicken tenders at Mexican restaurants? Uh not just Mexican restaurants, but yes. <laughs> And you pay extra for it because they charge you more because you're big. How long ago was that? That was like seven years that was like, ago. That was a lot. that restaurant's not even there anymore. They built a building up the road. But every time I go there, I think about that day. It still cracks me up. <laughs> they, they overcharged you chicken. They didn't even give you any more. They were just like, nope, you're not a kid. You have to pay more. That's <laughs> such shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, you live and you still learn. angry for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, just eat tacos on Tuesdays. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, maybe that's what I'll have tonight. After this, I'll get some. I'll get some uh, burritos. Well, that sounds good. Burrito Sunday. That can still be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, so, I get where you're coming from with the whole yeah. um, consuming uh, things that challenge you to think or challenge your perspective on things. Because that whole like write what you know. If you only ever mm-hmm. stick to one, or you know, uh, a narrow focus on something, if you only ever focus on that in your life you're never going to have the other experiences that will inform a um a broader scope of things that you wanted to create and that will definitely hamper your ability to do it well yeah absolutely i I do believe that if you know say you're involved in music and you know for whatever reason you're making country music if all you do is listen to other country music you're not going to become relevant you're not going to create something new you're not going to be the one on the precipice of making something exciting adventurous or anything you're just going to repeat what's already out there so by opening up that palette a little bit and maybe 
listening to hip hop or maybe listening to rock or blues or jazz or, you know, classical, whatever it may be, you know, just mm-hmm. changing that up a lot. You're going to start drawing inspiration from those other elements and bringing it into what you have now. Yeah. And I think that's where art becomes better. And that's yeah. what I mean by creating better is you're just you're you're sort of taking a, a cornucopia of ideas and turning them into whatever media you choose. Yes. And now to be fair uh, to those people. So I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm curious to see how you think about this, but I'm a strong proponent of create what you want to consume like you personally. So like okay. for me, like I write what I would want to read. Um, mm. So while, while it may come across like we're, saying like how like you should do one thing over another when you're creating it's really up to your own personal preference if you are a country music artist and you just want to make plain country music that sticks with the mold and then just listen to country music you don't need to listen to everything else but if you want to accelerate um or not accelerate um excel um or have an excellent i should say that's, that's a better way of saying have an excellent uh broad uh exciting new thing um a way to do it would be to broaden your horizons and refine your tasting palette or whatever <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i i definitely agree with that and you know truly if you just want to create whatever and listen to whatever that's fine this isn't about this is the only way this is the best way it's just an idea of by by consuming media differently mm-hmm. you will broaden the horizon and potentially make uh, be more ha- more happy, more content, or happier with your your end product because of what you're able to draw from, what you're able to pull from, mm-hmm. and really, I mean, I think you're just adding to the arsenal of tools by developing the imagination a little bit more. Yep. So, with that, one of the things that I wrote down here was, why would we want to? So, we kind of already answered that in a way, but I do have written down here that uh, we can get more enjoyment out of our media consumption, and then it gives us ideas to work with and create a new content. And I, I thought about that is that's one reason why you'd want to refine your palate uh, with what you're, you're taking in, because you could tend to have a little bit more enjoyment out of it by broadening your horizons, by seeking out things that you know, are classics. I mean, things are classics for reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And finding out what those reasons are and trying to understand what you like and don't like about it, I believe then as we go into our modern day stuff or we just, every time that we start to consume media now, we start to have a better understanding of what we think is good versus bad. And, And I really do liken this to the difference between eating a very good Wagyu beef cheeseburger that's been you know hand ground and you know lightly seasoned and and goes through the whole work whereas you go to mcdonald's and eat well shit and i i think that's the difference but both of them can satiate hunger putting ronald donald on blast here i know but both of them can satiate hunger and if all you're doing is trying to consume media to veg out to turn it off to not deal with the world then none of this is going to matter because your your reason behind it. But if you're consuming media because, hey, I want inspiration. I want to develop my imagination. I want to find a fire or a spark or draw something. I want something to make me think a little bit differently, challenge some of my already my my all you know already made up mind. Uh, then I think, yeah, you're going to want that wagyu burger. 
Well said. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I um, agree. Uh, another one I have here is a way to increase your media palette is to try <laughs> new mediums. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I like it. I think it's good. I think, like I said, it's you always have to broaden your horizons and experience new things and, and look at different ways to... Um, uh, look at different ways to present your, your creation. Uh, for example, actually, I just thought of... Um, have you ever listened to any Star Wars audiobooks? It's kind of random. I have not. I have, I've actually never consumed anything Star Wars related outside of... Uh, the movies or the TV show. Okay. Well, so um, I know recently, uh, like in the last year or so, the anytime they would release an audiobook for Star Wars, um, they would actually have uh, alongside the narration sound effects and music, uh, like timed with what the, what was happening, like um, on page, quote unquote. So, like if there's you know a character lighting up a lightsaber, the uh, weapon of a Jedi. Or Sith, um, the the sound effect, the snap hiss, will come up of the lightsaber, and it's a way to help immerse yourself. It's like listening to a movie, pretty much. You know, the sound of yeah. starships flying around and fighting, the swelling music and epic moments, like all of that. It helps. It's almost like not even listening to an audiobook. It really is almost like listening to a movie, but it's all in your mind. So that's one way that. Um, it's almost like a different, a new medium for me personally, whenever I started doing listening to them, um, it was like, um, it helped me imagine like, how would I write a scene to evoke those same things, uh, with like the sound effects, like, you know, so it, it helped connect those synapses in my brain. Um, so I could see how that would, um, translate to other mediums as well. Yeah, I that type of audiobook really harkens back to old school radio that predates television where mm-hmm. they did full on performances. Yeah. And I do remember being little and listening to some of those older performances. And it's one of the reasons I think that I enjoy audiobooks now. Now I do listen to a couple of audiobooks uh, that one of them what is it? MPC is one, Critical Failure is one where they it's a full on production. It's mm-hmm. the book was written to be read yeah. uh, like that. And there's multiple character voices and yeah, it just, it almost feels like you're watching a movie, but without the visual effects. So yeah, I, I definitely enjoy that. And I think it does make a complete difference in how you consume that or how it kind of resonates to you. Mm-hmm. I, I think too, that going outside of that as well. So like you said, when we started this podcast out, you were, you're writing uh, something within the Altherian legend now, my guess is that as you write something, and you, you know, there's been lots of things that are written within that world, um, even so much, I, I don't remember what it was, but they wrote it where it was futuristic, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Here's yeah. a person who obviously is taking parts of this fantasy style uh, of writing and then turning it and mixing it with science fiction and creating a whole new thing, and I, I think that's kind of really neat. Yeah, speaking of, uh, there's a really cool movie guy Ritchie did a few years back um i think it was i think it was just called king arthur maybe but it had um um charlie hunnam in it i do remember that i think it was <gasps> arthur wasn't it or i think it was just arthur i love that movie it was really good 
I really enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was a There's really cool a new take on it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that is what's interesting too as well. They could have written a lot. Of, they could have went a lot of different ways. You could retell that story over and over and over again. Everybody knows the the sword and the stone. Disney did a great job of it. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Merlin. Um, so, bringing something fresh to it, bringing a new idea to it, making it more realistic, making it less realistic. I mean, all of these things are are just more examples of how because of we're consuming other versions of uh, media or other genres of media that these creators are able to sort of enhance mm-hmm. uh, or build upon something that was already established. I mean, yep. had had any one of these people, you know, if Guy Ritchie, if all he did was consume The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, um, uh, and other fantasy works, you know, then I don't think it would have went the way it went. Right. You know, I, I think it required the dramas and stuff. But I, I think, too, like I was... I was listening to uh, Alicia Keys' masterclass on songwriting recently, and she talked about how uh, a lot of her inspiration, she's a reader, so a lot of her inspiration for writing music comes from what she reads. Mm -hmm. So as she's reading these books, she sort of gains feelings and whatnot. So when she sits down at her piano, she'll start playing some things out, and then in that process, the thoughts from the book, whatever she was thinking about while she was reading, start to come, and, and that develops the song. So it's not always just personal experience. You know, a love song doesn't have to just be about, well, this is about my love. It could be, well, you know, I, I saw this in a film, or I read about this in a book, or I heard it from a friend, and, and you sort of develop these things uh, more organically that way. Yeah, and I, it's funny. I, I do the exact opposite of what she does, because I'm a writer. I'm not musically inclined whatsoever, so... I'll listen to music and that will inform my feelings and the things that I want to evoke in my written work, which is really cool. So I'm pretty much yeah, Alicia I, Keys is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think you should be called Al Locke. <laughs> you. That was the worst thing I think you've ever told me. That's, that might be. That might be. And I'm not going to edit that out. So... It's there for it's, it's gonna go out there to the world. It's it's your yeah. uh, it's your 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 fucking what am I doing? I, I can't even think right know. now, dude. <laughs> I'm just so blown away by how horrible that was. It's your it's your um it's your uh, social media presence at stake here with your shitty jokes. So you can it's leave okay. it in if you want. It's it's okay. I I can do dad jokes. I'm old. That's uh, true. What about? What about paintings and photography? How does that inspire your writing? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily say they're painting or photography, but there's um, there's a, a full-on multi-subreddit that I've subscribed to. Um, it's called the Imaginary Network, and it's just got a bunch of different subreddits where people post um, artwork that they've done. Uh, it can be fan art. It can be original work, original characters, um, anything like that. And it's usually broken down as like, so like there's a set for um, imaginary mindscapes. So it's like super psychedelic, like, like strange, um, like locales, like floating staircases and, you know, uh, entire planets that is just one big island, things like that. There's like imaginary, um, uh, there's like imaginary horror for monsters, there's imaginary knights uh, for like medieval type stuff. So they have this imaginary sci-fi, imaginary like future war, all this shit. So I definitely look at that a lot to inspire myself for like, I'll look at it almost like a prompt, um, but in the form of like a picture or a piece of artwork 
um, and I can look at okay. something and be like, oh, that's cool. What story could I tell that could feed into this or could lead to this or could lead from this? Things like that. So, yeah, it, absolutely. That's another good way to do it. And yeah. I assume people can also look at um, intense photography and, and uh, camera work like that as well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think there's something to be said for, you know, when you see a photography piece of uh, especially portrait photography or like, um, oh, I, I can't for life. I can't remember what it's called. Um, when you just take photos of people kind of randomly and whatnot, there's street photography, basically. But uh-huh. I, I think because they already sort of tell a story and you have to tell like you have to fill in the blanks with the photograph or with the painting. You sort of have to tell the story about what is there. I think we're already because of that medium, because it's stagnant, I think that we are all, it's so, it's, it's so primed for storytelling because that's what the artist is doing for you. Like that's the intention behind that work is to have you create the story that you're seeing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so neat and, you know, it could drive quite a bit of musically, um, literature, whatever it may be. I, I think that's, but I, I think, Going back, like that's the reason why I was so excited about this topic was if we if we do get inspired by by say photography or paintings, then wouldn't it serve us to intentionally go out and seek things that inspire us, not just randomly scroll Instagram, which I don't think is a horrible thing, but if we consume too quickly we don't necessarily get the full benefit of what we're consuming. Right. Yeah, so and yeah, I agree with that. What I've actually taken to doing to do what I do is um I have gotten in the habit of opening up my notes on my my notes app cuz it's just easier to get to than like my Google Drive. Um because I have it organized and there's a bunch of tiers of folders and so I would literally have to make like if I'm on a computer to get to a certain uh idea folder, I'd have to click like seven times. Whereas on my phone, I can oh, wow. just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but it, it keeps me sane because it's all organized. But um, it's, so it's super easy and quick for me to open up my notes app on my phone. So anytime I'm listening to something or um, I'm, you know, I'm looking at uh, something on Instagram or on um, Reddit, I'm inspired in some way, I will, I've gotten in the habit of opening up that notes app and typing it in real quick, just like a, a, as much of it that I have thought of. And then later that night, I'll copy it and make its own like little section of my Google drive. Um, so it helps me, it helps me from consuming nonstop and keeps like mm-hmm. the creative, like actual creating thing, like the process going, which is uh, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps you in the moment with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's really helpful. And you have your phone on you all the time. So regardless of where you're at, you have that option. Typically you do. So you have that option to be able to take those notes. I think that's a great habit to get into. Yeah. Um, so, so really what we're talking about, though, is savoring that, that consumption process. So instead of binge-watching uh, episode after episode or instead of scrolling through aimlessly at um, picture after picture, it'd be kind of like walking through a museum quickly, and you're just kind of mm-hmm. looking at stuff. You're not really taking the time. But if you take the time to stop and, and really be in the moment and be intentional about what you're consuming, whether it be sitting there, you know, if you're looking at a painting, look at the strokes, look at the different elements of it. Allow your mind to, one, 
get into that moment. I think oftentimes we struggle to stop ourselves from going from one thing to the other because we do live such busy lives. And I think in today's society, jobs, family, life, it's always go, go, go. So sometimes I think you just have to train your brain to slow down and appreciate what it is you're doing uh, and the purpose behind what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think then it makes a, a much more lasting impact uh, in the future for your uh, possible creations. Yeah. Um, why would you think, thinking about like the classics and whatnot, why would you think or not think that consuming like the classic media or maybe even Shakespearean plays or going, do, do you think there's any value in that? Um, even classic movies, you think there's value in that or is that sort of just, well, it's just popular. It's not that important. Yeah, sure. I think there's, there's definitely, I mean, there's a reason they're, they're classics. Um, I will say I usually, I don't necessarily seek them out as much, uh, as I do like other things. Um, but that's, that's purely because I, um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I I feel like so many of them, uh, the, the lessons that I can take from them, I've, I've already, gotten from one way or another, either from another piece of media or from someone dissecting that classic media, whether it's a book or a movie or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's the same reason why I've never read like the original Jurassic Park movie or a book. Um, I have already, like I can, t- I already know what it's about. I know what happens. I've seen the movie. I know the movie and the book are different. I get that. Don't, don't at me on Twitter. Um, but the lessons <laughs> I know, I understand the lessons that the book is relating. Uh, and I know the lessons that the, the movie was relating and what's different. So like, I don't know. I just, maybe that's uh, not a good, a good thing for, uh, someone like me to, <laughs> to admit, but I don't know. I just haven't, I haven't see, um, sought them out. So you just, it sounds like you just don't see the value in it. Like if you've already, if you've for already me seen, personally, yes. Yeah, like you just, yeah, you don't see a personal value in it. Now, I have listened to Jurassic Park and I've watched the movie, uh, and I did quite enjoy listening to it. I found it to be a really fun read. It still had a lot of the tension, even though I knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch the movie that much before I listened to it. Uh, I'm a strange person. I actually didn't watch that movie until a couple of years ago. Um, really? Just never, yeah, it never came up on my radio, radar huh. uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why, but yeah, uh, really good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> Book was really good too. Maybe I should. Um, I should. I mean, I should definitely read it. Probably. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, there's so much media out there, and and this is where I think it gets a little bit tricky to navigate. You know, you could go on IMDb and you could look up the the 500 greatest movies of all time, and you could set a goal that I'm going to watch each of these movies. Great, that's that's fantastic. Take but your now work. you're looking at. Yeah, you're looking at what? About a thousand hours of your time, at least. So a thousand hours of your time over the course of how long, what do you gain from that time? So if you're going at it with intention, and like you said, it, it, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So mm-hmm. you have probably watched things that have already used those other techniques or whatever it was you're going to learn, even if it wasn't directly from that. I, I'd read once that the reason why people are not as interested in Seinfeld is because they feel like it's too familiar. 
mm-hmm. because shows like Friends, How I Met Your Mother, they took from Seinfeld. Yeah. Then you know, I don't think it's they stole it. They just they took from that. They built on that. So now when you go back and watch Seinfeld, it's like, oh yeah, that I've seen that in these other ones. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine the generation who grew up on How I Met Your Mother probably thinks the same thing about like Friends. They just, you know, I've seen a lot of these jokes. Yep. Because they have. I was about um, to say, like, growing up on How I Met Your Mother, I ne- I've never had, and I still don't have any interest in watching Friends because I was like, oh, it's just like an old version of How I Met Your Mother. Obviously, I know it's, yeah. it's different. Um, I, tried, but, I tried watching it recently, and I'm going to tell you what. I, I, yeah, you can at me all day long. I do not like it. What's your, I'm, what's your social I, media? What's your social media, Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what my Twitter is. Um, I think it's like yeah, Board Game Chair or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't get on it very often. Should I tag our Twitters when I'm posting on Twitter, do you think? Like, should I tag? I I don't know. Maybe I should. You should. You should tag us. Yeah, fuck it. I'll tag us. So so something else I was thinking about with with consumption of media and sort of refining the palate, so to speak, was be adventurous. And when I originally thought this, it was like, be adventurous in what you listen to. So if you listen to uh, country music all the time, I keep going back to country music. I don't know why. <laughs> but if you listen to country music, try hip hop. Maybe it's not your thing. Try R&B. Maybe you're not used to listening to that. Listen to something that's completely different. You don't have to listen to it all the time, but just try it out. Look for something in that genre that maybe uh, works with you or resonates with you. If you're always reading science fiction, maybe try, I don't know, Something classic, <laughs> you know, just kind of be adventurous. But what's what led me from there, wh- or where it led me from there, was that being adventurous isn't necessarily getting outside of the genre that you like. Sometimes it's about traveling to things. So specifically, if you can f- learn to find value in looking at art, looking at paintings, murals, things like that, when you get out and you travel, it kind of serves two things. One. You get to see all these cool things. Going to museums, you get to see a lot of neat things, neat uh, types of media that will serve to inspire you. But you'll also gain adventure and experience through the travel itself. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of twofold. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, it's going to be a lot more difficult, but I'd agree. Well, it is, but now I, I need to let you know. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, apparently, a big magazine called Forbes, you may have heard of it, yeah. uh, a couple weeks back, end of February or whatnot, put out a top 10 places to go in March of 2021 where the pandemic has not affected them. And number four on that was my city. So, Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll, we're going to have a lot of people coming here uh, this summer, which is fantastic. I'm, I'm glad we're a tourist town, so it definitely needs that. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely places out there to travel. A lot of these people that are in cities and towns that are sort of locked down, they're coming out here. I mean, there are there are definitely places that are open. I'm sh- I'm surely yeah. they have some sort of like virtual like traveling tour thing, right? Surely. Yeah, there are. I mean, there are definitely options for that. But you know, you can. I I often said this. So I grew up uh, about an hour and a half away from Washington D.C. 
And I've been to D.C. a few times. I've been down to the Smithsonian a few times. And I, I find it absolutely fascinating. If, if anybody out there is listening and they have always thought, man, I'd love to go to Washington, D.C. and just haven't come to the, you know, haven't actually done it, I would say put that on your bucket list and make it happen as soon as possible. And do it when you're younger because there's a lot of walking involved. <laughs> so, but it is absolutely 100% an amazing experience. But one of the things that I find better than any else, anything else there is walking down to the Lincoln Memorial. Now, the Lincoln Memorial, everybody has probably have seen this uh, at some point or another because, you know, you've seen money, mm-hmm. and it's on money. <laughs> so, But when you see a picture of it, it's, it's huge. And, you know, there's the Gettysburg Addresses inside of it, and you, you go up on these steps, and you're looking at it, and it's great. And, and I find that absolutely fascinating. I really do. But the thing that I like more than anything else when I'm there is I get up to the top of the steps, and I turn around, and I look over the reflecting pool, and I look at the Washington Monument in front of me, and I look at the World War II Monument in front of me, and I look at the big National Mall, and then on the other side is um, uh, Congress. And you know, you see all that stuff, and you're standing there, and I can't help but think about Martin Luther King Jr. standing in that very same spot, giving one of the most iconic speeches ever, mm-hmm. uh, changing the course of history. And while standing on the footsteps of Lincoln behind you, but, but standing there and realizing and just being in awe of what happened at that very spot. And I find that part of it to be such an experience. And it's it, it's almost overwhelming to feel that experience. Uh, and it, yeah, I, I recommend anybody gets an opportunity to get out there and just take a look at it. It's, it's positively amazing. Positively. Very cool. You heard it here first. Jeremy recommends <laughs> traveling to Washington, D.C. Yes. Just do it safely. Yes, I do. You know, maybe don't <laughs> break any windows or, I don't know, like... <laughs> stomp around throwing things and holding signs saying anyway yeah. that bit's done <laughs> yeah maybe, uh, by the way maybe just go to washington dc to actually i don't know enjoy what's there yes. enjoy freedom appreciate don't try it. to oppress it yeah don't be a terrorist <laughs> true anyways um <laughs> consuming better to create better am i right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, i was also thinking too that um you know, experimenting with ideas from each thing into your own work. So uh, a couple years back, I got a chance to go to uh, London and Paris. And we went to Paris. We, uh, we took an opportunity to go into the Louvre. Mm-hmm. And inside of the Louvre is the Mona Lisa. Ooh. And yeah, so and that was a pretty cool experience. I mean, I truly, I wasn't as inspired by it as I thought I would be. But a lot of that has to do with it's so crowded. It's really hard. I couldn't even stay in the crowd to get close to it. So I just kind of took a picture from behind. I mean, I could see it. it's not very big. Um, it's behind like bulletproof glass and all this stuff. The room that it was in was under construction. So that was sort of weird. And it just was, it, it was, it was a sensory overload and not in a good way mm-hmm. uh, to be there. So I wasn't able to really appreciate it. And then later I, I'd been listening to uh, Walter Isaacson's biography on uh, Da Vinci and he talks extensively about Da Vinci doing the Mona Lisa and how he got to that point and why he did it. And I wish I would have had that information beforehand. I think I would have appreciated where I was during that time more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, you know, looking back, it was definitely neat. I mean, it was, it was definitely neat. There was a lot of other things at the Louvre that I, I think felt more inspiring and more exciting to see. Yeah. When you were there um, um, looking at the Mona Lisa, did you like happen to see like um, any famous person or like did you um, were you solving any like codes or like did you see Tom Hanks or anything? I didn't. I, I didn't see Tom Hanks when I was out there looking at that. I also did not see um, uh, what what the hell was his name? Um, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. I did not see Nicholas Cage see him when I was Memorial. in D.C. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see him. We went to see uh, the Declaration of Independence as well. And, yeah, he wasn't there. <laughs> I'm just imagining you just sitting there like an awe, looking around, thinking about all this stuff. And then behind you, Nick Cage just scaling, <laughs> scaling a wall like fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> well, that would have been a story. Yeah, it would have definitely inspired me. Uh, that reminds me of, um, what was it? Was it Reading Rainbow that did it where it was the and then what happened? Where they would tell like a part of a story and then they would just ask kids, okay, what happens at the end of the story type of thing? And they would sort of tell more of it. Didn't and we I, just I always talk found that about fascinating. this? We did, yeah. We it's that whole... Uh, and, episode. And, yeah, and just kind of doing this as sort of a, a fun little and then what happened. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, but I was thinking about um, telling stories you know, watching a movie and then going back and telling a story from a different character's perspective. Mm-hmm. Same story, just from a different perspective and kind of seeing how their story uh, changes. And I think that's kind of fascinating and sort of neat. Uh, maybe slightly boring because not everybody in the story has to be, you know, exciting. Yeah. Well, there's... um, I remember I had a prompt, I think, in high school uh, where it was like that. Uh, and I think I did uh, another story about, like, Sleepy Hollow or something. Um I don't know if it was about, I don't remember anything at all what I wrote, but it was like, it was like a continuation of uh, what happens after the end of Sleepy Hollow. Um, okay. Which, uh, it was fun. I like doing it. Um, but speaking of from another perspective, there's like a whole, there's been, I think two Star Wars, like big anthology books that have come out in the last couple of years since Disney um, acquired uh, Lucasfilm about that. Like they would take um, all the, like a bunch of like different side characters or different perspectives on uh, events that happened in the first Star Wars movie, um, A New Hope. Uh, and like, they had like a whole, like a book of, um, of different, like a little short stories. And I think I did it for the Empire Strikes Back as well. If I'm remembering correctly. So, I mean, it's, okay. it's, it, it happens. People do it. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, people have done it to Star Wars. I mean, that's canon now. A lot of the, uh, the other stuff that's been done, the fan fiction that's been done has become canon. Yeah. Although I so, think, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you got to be careful. Some people might get mad at you for calling it fan fiction. Uh, I think before Disney acquired it, it was all technically canon. They just, once Disney bought it, they're like, it's not canon. It's so <laughs> kind of got reversed uh, back to that fan fiction esque um, level. Really anything that is written by, uh, a fan 
that isn't sanctioned by the creator is considered fan fiction. And then once the creator kind of accepts that and brings it into canon, then it can lose that title. And I, I think that's really neat. I mean, could you imagine being somebody that was inspired by something mm-hmm. as big as Star Wars? You wrote a book because you were excited by it. It started selling copies. That's great. But then the actual creator of the original work says, you know what? I like this so much. Yes, this is part of the story now. This is actually part of the story. That'd be a huge, huge thing. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. There's, um, uh, uh, going back to, all the way back to when we started talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender, uh, the oh, first or second episode, whatever it was. Um, yeah, the I was reading one of the new books that, um, like the, uh, it's a new series that they're doing uh, based in the world. It's about a earlier Avatar, um, Avatar Kyoshi. Uh, she uh, is like the Earthbender, or she was from the Earth Kingdom. Um, one of my favorite characters. I think she's a really cool character. Uh, the author for those books. Um, he actually had, he like said in his like acknowledgements or his forward or whatever for the book, he said that he had written fan fiction, um, a couple like pieces of fan fiction for Avatar and the creators of Avatar reached out to him and said, Hey, this is awesome. Uh, would you want to do like a comic or a book or something? And then that's how they got in touch. And that's how he was able to do something uh, officially in the Avatar canon, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And I, I think it's it says something, too, about the creators who of Avatar who are willing to continue consuming media about... The, I mean, that's got to be pretty hard, to consume media about something that you've written. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just I think that could be very difficult. So, uh, you know, it's exciting that people are out there and they still are looking out for ways to improve their own craft, I guess. Uh, maybe see options, see how fans are inspired by them. I think that's really neat. Uh, I think that's really the neat. author for the uh, the Kyoshi novels for Avatar, by the way, is F C Yi, and it's in uh, collaboration with Avatar co-creator uh, Michael Dante DiMartino. Good books. Okay, check them out. Okay. They're, well, awesome. I mean, you can oh. check them out too. They're young adult novels, but uh, uh, generally anybody should check them out. If you want more Avatar, <laughs> more of the Avatar universe. Which, you know, more Avatar can't be a bad thing unless, you know, certain uh, people turn them into films. True. Or live action Netflix uh, <laughs> abridges and then, you know, says they're going to partner with the creators and the creators leave due to creative differences. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jesus. So. Dude. So something else I was thinking about with this whole consume better to create better was I was thinking of some of the challenges of this. And the number one challenge that I could think of was being in a rut, being in that consumption rut or that creation rut. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you have to shake it up. I think sometimes we we up. create so much or we sort of get <laughs> exactly. Um, I think sometimes we get so stuck in what we're creating or trying to get over a certain piece or maybe, I don't know, whatever it may be that we're trying to create, we're just not able to get there. We sort of have that writer's block and you get stuck in a rut doing the same picture or the same song. And you, but I think we do the same thing in consumption of media where we sort of get stuck in a rut consuming either the same type of media or just zoning out with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, binge watching, you know, shitty TV shows just because, you know, somebody said, hey, this sounds like a good thing to watch. Watch it. And you're like, this is the worst thing. Why am I watching every episode of the regular show now? This is ridiculous. 
Yeah. Well, see, to fix that problem, you get better, get friends with better recommendations, I should say. True. Like watching or The Expanse you, on Amazon. That's a really good show. Yeah. Or you could listen to our other episodes, Take a Gander, and then you too will have better recommendations. <laughs> uh, remember the. Was that shameless? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was shameless. Uh, but I will say, I will point out that the one Take a Gander that we did, the last one we did, was about three movies and. We only like we only unanimously liked one of the three movies. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, but I think that each each thing that we watched there and within the conversation, one we did create content out of it, so it did <laughs> consuming did create. Uh, but no, I, I think that they all had a reason because we were we watched them with suspicion. We watched them with uh, our eyes open looking for things so we weren't just you know sitting back and and just trying to enjoy it to enjoy it we were actively engaged with the media uh, so i do think Fair that enough. even if we didn't yeah Fair enough. even if you even if you watch something and you don't like it watching it to know why you don't like it can be just as valuable i think yeah exactly you know, i mean we've realized hugh jackman's still awesome oh God. he's so cool so so cool, <laughs> and that's I, I do think too that uh, I think that's part of consuming better and refining that palate is learning more about what you like and what you don't like, and then the reasons behind it. Not simply I like it, I don't like it. You know, having actual substance behind that can really uh, enhance your palate and enhance your creative brain. Yeah, I could see it. So that's about all I have on notes for consuming to I have create. questions. I have questions. Okay, let's do it. Let's do some questions. So, Jeremy, uh, you're talking about all this right stuff there. about consuming better to create better. Give me a personal example for yourself. What have you consumed recently that you wanted to have uh, be more than just consuming for consumption's sake? And wanting to look at it from okay. a, a creative uh, aspect. Okay, excellent question, Bradley. Um, I Thank actually you. had a friend who was sort of doing a take a gander in his own right with me. He was giving me full albums to listen to, mm-hmm. um, and and I like you know if, to the audience. I really do enjoy listening to full albums, not just. I mean, I do listen to songs and I have song playlists and whatnot, but. There's something fascinating to me about listening to an, an listening to an album from start to finish. Last night I listened to um, a couple of Jay Z albums that were per, you know just fantastic albums that I haven't listened to in a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of craft in not just making a good track, but putting those tracks together to tell a story within the album. And I've got quite a few albums that maybe we'll do a take a gander on them in the future. But yeah, he gave me a couple of albums in different genres. Okay. And I was able to sort of go through them. And the reason what they were inspiring me to do was I wanted to create more music. So I'm I'm really trying to create a specific kind of music and I'm kind of struggling with it. So I'm listening to different genres of music while I listen to this one genre, like 
and like the one genre that I'm listening to is the one I want to create. Mm-hmm. For for shits and giggles, I'll call it country. It's not, but I'm listening to a lot of this one genre music, and that's kind of like the plane that I'm on. And then these other genres sort of go up and down around that plane, and I'm trying to pull from them. Um, but I'm kind of struggling, and I, I think I'm sort of trying to create against my imagination, if that makes sense. Uh, I feel like I I'm so, forcing yeah. it. Like I'm trying to force something out, and I think that's what's causing me to go crazy about it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the, the whole thing about don't not forcing yourself is uh, there's a reason it's, it's it's a saying, right? You know, isn't that a saying? Yeah, you can't you Maybe. can't force greatness. Is I, that what it is? Maybe I thought it was if it doesn't fit, force it. Uh, is that a different? That's a different saying, I, I think guess. That's different. It's set in yeah. different circles, most likely. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, but, but that is, and that that okay. if it doesn't fit, uh, force it has more to do with you know, uh, construction. Ah, I see. Okay. We yeah, we heard that a lot when I was in construction. Um, but yeah. I, I, you're right. I don't think that I should try to force it. You can't force the greatness. You sort of have to allow it to, you know, give it a vessel to sort of flow through mm-hmm. you. Uh, and and speaking somewhat spiritualistically, there, uh, I do think there is room for spiritual text, uh, meditation, prayer. Um, I, I think that kind of stuff can also inspire some great work. Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah, and you can pull. You know, you could be. Um, you could. You could be a Christian, or you could be a Muslim, or you could be uh, Church of the Latter Day Saints. Whatever your religious, you know, Hindu, whatever your religious um, affiliation is, reading texts from other religions and reading texts from other spiritual understandings can help you appreciate yours more as well. And I think that's the same thing with art: is getting outside of your comfort zone will allow you to appreciate why your comfort zone is so comfortable and potentially kind of expand the walls a little bit and make your comfort zone a little bit bigger. Maybe your comfort zone goes from a little love seat to a big couch. Maybe it turns Ooh. into a sectional. A sectional, yeah, maybe. you say. A uh, sectional. Maybe uh, your comfort zone adds a chaise lounge into that room. Ooh. I don't know, but, you know, expand your horizons <laughs> a little bit. And, uh, no, I get that, and see what happens. I um yeah. recently I've been I've I've kind of I've kind of found that in a lot of recent uh, stories that I'm wanting to tell, and that I'm in the process of telling, there's like a running theme of rebirth, uh, whether that's the reincarnation or just literally like resurrection, whatever it is. So I've been kind of getting more and more fascinated with reading a lot of. Um, Hindu's the one that has rebirth, right? We're going to cut this out. Which one has re- reincarnation? Um, Hinduism. Hinduism. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, I think there's other ones as well, but yeah, Hinduism, I think, is the main one. Um, so I've been, yeah, I've been looking at a lot of uh, different, I've been, I've been finding myself very fascinated with the idea of reincarnation uh, and rebirth, you know, present in a lot of, uh, different religions, so yeah, that's another place that you can pull from it. Even if I'm, I, I will be the first to say I'm not necessarily a religious person in the slightest. So yeah, yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I tend to be a little bit more spiritual, I think, and I, I, but I, you know, I have no 
I was raised in a private school and I was raised in uh, a Christian belief system. And for a long time in my life, I, I was that and I, I kind of switched over to atheism and then I went back to it and blah, 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 back and forth. Um, I look at like uh, the Bible, um, the Christian Bible, I look at that as something that you can pull a lot from. And there's a lot of there's a lot of good inside of that. Great storytelling. There's a lot of fascinating reads and, and things to sort of ground yourself with uh, and some really good advice. Uh, it's, it's just the extra part of that, the, the supernatural part that I kind of struggle with. But but I find that in other things, too. I, I do some yoga. I've been trying to learn how to meditate. And by learn how, I mean, holy shit is meditating hard. <laughs> uh, just just sitting and being still and trying to just be in the moment is so difficult to do. Um, but I do think that that's the kind of stuff that can sort of help clarify the mind a little bit. And and maybe when I get done, I'll have that space then to be able to, that calmness to be able to... Uh, to create better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've been writing lately, which is kind of weird, I know, because I'm not the writer in this group, <laughs> but but I have been writing. A, a lot of what's going on in my personal life, um, I've just been writing and writing and writing. And uh, today I started sort of getting down and trying to turn it into more of a monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, no real direction, no, no concept. I'm, I guess I'm doing it more uh, as a cathartic exercise to be able to get my thoughts out. Uh, yeah. Not so much to create a content, just to get my thoughts out. So I, who knows? Maybe that will come to something. I do the same, man. It's it's a really useful tool to help yeah. it not stay inside and fester. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, you got any other questions you got written down there? No, but uh, I'll answer the question that I asked you. Because <laughs> awesome, because I want to really talk about it. I, <laughs> in an effort to. Uh, pretty much go against the grain of what we've been saying the entire time of trying new things and broadening our horizons. I went back and rewatched a classic that I have seen like dozens of times. I went back and rewatched, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, by Peter Jackson. Okay. Uh, holy fuck, man. They're so good. They're so amazing. And this time I went in with the idea. I wanted to focus on, um, the characters like the, the the side characters almost not necessarily the ones that everyone always focuses on like frodo and aragorn uh and even gandalf like i wanted to focus on the smaller side characters so marion pippin uh gimli faramir um samwise to an extent although sam i think is still a definitely a main protagonist of that story um yes. second only only i would say to frodo um and so I went into it with that mm-hmm. kind of lens and that kind of um, thought process, and it's still just so so amazing. The whole the series holds up really well. The story that Tolkien was able to craft is so well done, and it really helped inspire me personally to like get back into it. Like I don't know something about just it, it invigorated me. Um, so I I've been working a lot more the last day or so on once I finished on some of these, uh, uh, stories that I'm trying to, to write. So, yeah. Okay. And now this is something interesting, well, interesting. that I've done as well. Uh, and I've, I've done it for a lot more than just Lord of the Rings movies this, this past time, but there's an, uh, a YouTube channel that I 
watch most of every video that um, he's put on there called Cinema Wins. I think I have mentioned it to you before, Jeremy. You have. Um, if you don't know what it is, anybody listening, uh, pretty much he goes through his whole his whole idea is to be positive. He goes through a whole movie and says everything that he liked that he thought was great about the movie, and from any like any sort of um, scale, so anywhere from like cinematography technique to storytelling technique to acting to character choice to how a character looks or acts or talks anything like that he will um kind of outline and so i after i watched this the lord of the rings movies i went back and i rewatched his videos on lord of the rings um two videos for each movie six videos maybe like a total of an hour long or hour worth of uh of footage so it wasn't that much extra to consume um and it has really helped uh, narrow down why I liked certain things that I liked about it because our our preferences pretty well line up. Um, okay, so that's been really helpful as well, just to make it keep it fresh in my mind and to really solidify what I liked about it, why I liked what I liked about it, and how I could emulate those same feelings um, in my own work, which is I think the most important thing for writing at least it is. And I, I think what I think is interesting there is that watching somebody else, it's kind of like watching those reaction videos and whatnot, watching somebody else or listening to someone else talk about something is almost like a conversation. I mean, obviously it's a one-sided conversation, but there is value in having those conversations about media Uh, because it does you you're able to explore thoughts about why you had something you're able to see other people's thoughts on why they liked or disliked something and and i think that helps us solidify a little bit more about you know it kind of solidifies your tastes a little bit better Mm -hmm. you you so it's it's another thing you would say it helped refine your palate i would say it would yeah so uh, I don't. You probably know this. So years ago, I was in culinary school, uh, very briefly in my life, mm-hmm. and one of the things we had to do in one of the classes was we had to taste. We did a milk class and we did an herb class, uh, but the milk class was kind of interesting. We went through and we got all these different types of milks, uh, everything from canned evaporated milk to reconstituted evaporated milk, um, uh, goat's milk whole milk, fresh milk, like all these different types of milks, buttermilks. Mm-hmm. And then we went through and we did these blind tastes on them. And then we talked about them. We wrote down our own opinions and then we had conversations about the different aspects of it. And I found, I mean, that's very useful. And in, in culinary school, you're, you're, you really are refining your palate because by exploring more and tasting more, even things you don't like, once you learn sort of what that is, then you can create better dishes because of it. Um, A really good example is years ago when I was married, uh, my wife at the time really liked uh, guacamole. I did not. I was not a fan, just never really occurred to me to like it. But being somebody who enjoys working in the kitchen, I thought, you know, I'm going to learn how to make this. So guacamole, in case you don't know, is made with avocado, a few other ingredients as well, but the base of it is smashed avocado. Mm -hmm. So... Because I didn't know what an avocado an avocado tasted like by itself, I figured that was the very first step. What does this fruit taste like? So I cut it up and I tried some. And I was blown away by its freshness and, and all these different nuanced flavors 
So I realized that what I was having a problem with with uh, guacamole was that they weren't enhancing the flavor of the avocado. They were doing everything they could to basically get rid of that flavor. And I wanted to make a fresher guacamole, something that just, you know, you had those other flavors, but it was really enhancing the flavor of the avocado. It was building on that. I didn't want to lose that. I figured if we added too much, then we lost that. And I think that's the same thing when we consume media with the intention to create. You need to, you know, if you're going to if you're going to make a movie, you should probably I don't know watch some movies mm-hmm. and know how to work a camera. You know, if you're going to write a book, you should probably read a little bit. Um, and it's not so much that you want to copy them, but you learn things like sentence structure and whatnot, and then you can kind of build from there. And you can kind of take your own. You know, if you're going to write a horror story, there are certain elements that need to be in that horror story. But then you can kind of, as you've seen with Jordan Peele, you can take that that genre and kind of turn it upside down a little bit by adding your own things to it. Yeah. I um I remember when I first discovered avocado. It was really good. Was it in California? No, it was uh I think it was during um a bachelor party I was at. We had gone to a restaurant okay. and there was this chicken it was like a it was like a a biscuit like a chicken biscuit sandwich but it was like gourmet or something and it had avocado on it and it was fucking amazing dude and it definitely turned turned my uh life around cuz i never i assumed i didn't wouldn't like it because it was green <laughs> like that was like i was like ah it's some sort of like fruit or vegetable i don't want that uh but no it's it's so good and i love it on like, most things i like it on tacos i like it on burgers i like it on chicken sandwiches I like it on a lot. Yeah. Salads, eggs, avocado is, I mean, folks, seriously, let's not even talk about creating anymore. If you're not eating avocado in your Mm -hmm. life, you're missing out. It's really healthy, too. Fuck your creative instincts. Go eat avocado right now. (laughs) I'll tell you this. So the problem I have with an avocado is I can never pick them well. And I either pick them too early and then I have to wait forever to eat them. Mm -hmm. Or I pick them and then I forget about them. (laughs) It's too late by the time I get it. So I I wish, you know, we could, we can make watermelons without seeds. We need to be able able to create avocados that ripen better, Um, like bananas. They should change colors when they're perfect. Well, we'll get with our lizard overlords about that. That's, we should do that. We're going to have a whole new podcast about fruits and vegetables. (laughs) It's going to be one episode long because avocados and corn, that's pretty much all I know. Oh, corn is not a vegetable. Oh. <laughs> well, um, anyways, that was a good okay. episode. Well, anyways. Good talk. Yeah, I, I think I think that was a, a fun episode. So hopefully at the end of this, folks, you found, I don't know, at least entertaining, if not informative, and you have a desire now to get out and consume with a little bit more intention uh, so that you can create with more fun and more tools at your belt. Um, Bradley, so here at the end of the episode, we sort of have a tradition where you tell us all the places they can find us. So why don't you let us know? Where can they find us out there in social media land? Uh, you can find our podcast socials, um, Above the Board Podcast, at Twitter, Gmail, and Instagram. Uh, you can find me, my own personal social medias, at Pros Brad at uh, Twitter 
and Instagram. Awesome. And then just type it in the little Google bar and you can go to my website. Fantastic. Which I will be updating soon. Uh, the only I have a couple stories I'm going to put on there. Awesome. I'm going to update it. I promise. I'm excited about that. Mostly because I got charged again uh, by we'll... Squarespace for it. So <laughs> I might as well get my money's worth. Might as well. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram only right now, and that is board, board game underscore Jer. I have a Twitter. I think it is that board game guy at Twitter, but who knows? Or at, at uh, I don't know. Whatever. I however, however the tweeters quick. work. I can pull it up real quick. <laughs> however the I'm tweeters work. There, right? I don't get on it very much. I think so, Am yes. I following you, though? That's um, the question. I don't know. I don't, I don't tweet anything. I, I'm just not that person. I should. I should get out there and tweet. Fans, if you're out it's there board and game you chair would like at to... Board Game Chair. It's that guy that plays board games is your, your handle. Oh, okay. So there you go. At Board Game Jer on Twitter. If you want to tweet me or at me some ridiculousness, mm-hmm. by all means, go ahead. Um, make sure to tweet him. Yeah, when you I, do tweet him, make sure to tweet. Uh, make sure to include somewhere in there uh, Jer Bear. He really likes that nickname. Yeah, let's not do that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think that brings episode seven to a close. Is this, episode seven? this is episode seven. Uh, join us in two weeks for our next Take a Gander, where we're talking about podcasting. And yeah, folks, it's been another wonderful podcast. Mm-hmm. My name's Jeremy. Uh, it's me, Bradley. Still here. And folks, we'll see you the next time. Bye. I'm still recording. Okay, I'm done now. Oh, man. This is what happens when all I have to drink is water.